Welcome to another edition of CHP Talks. We are doing a special Remembrance Day CHP Talks, and we are here today with special guest Jack DeCock, a veteran of the Canadian Forces. And uh, Rod, why don't you give him an introduction because he's more than a veteran. Um, he's someone who was also liberated. Well, yeah, he's a survivor of the war, a veteran of Canadian uh, services, and a good friend of ours and uh, someone that we've uh, both stayed with and, and been encouraged by when we've been in Ottawa. So uh, Jack was born in a small village, Kroeningen, uh, located close to the uh, Antwerp, Belgium in the Netherlands in 1939. Uh, he and his family were liberated in October 1944 by the Canadian Army. His family immigrated to Canada after they lost everything in the flood of February 1953, and they arrived in August of 1953 in Canada. Jack joined the RCAF in November 1959 and served until June 1986. He's married to Mary. They've been married for 55 years. They have four children and nine grandchildren, and uh, he's a man who worships and serves and is grateful to our, his Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, for his faithfulness during their lives. So, Jack, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on this Zoom call. Pleasure to be here, Rod. So the connection back to to Holland is something that I hold dear. My my grandparents were liberated as well by the Canadian forces. Um, Jack, you were you were young then, but do you remember what do you remember of those days? Absolutely, as I you know when you asked me uh, to think go back a little bit, and uh, I did think of one instance where it really stood out uh, when I was a kid. And uh, the Canadians were fighting on one side. I was five or six years old by this time. The Canadians were sitting on one side, and we, and the Germans on the other side, we were in the middle. Okay, our village was in the middle. So there was bombs and rockets going over, and it was a scary time. So they told all of the children sit underneath the table. They threw a blanket over top of the table, and the whole family was there, like my mother and the father and uh, aunts and uncles. We had a large house, so which belonged to my dad's boss. So we lived in that. So a lot of people saw. So, I think it was right in the middle. So everybody was fearful. We all stayed up. And then uh, we were underneath the table as children. Because in case there was a, a bomb blast close by, the windows would shatter and, you know, the glass would come into the house and it would at least protect at least protect the children. So they were pretty uh, good at that. Anyway, um, and then all of a sudden, about two o'clock in the morning, we heard this loud shout outside. The Canadians are here. The Canadians are here. So everybody rushed outside. And the children got chocolates and the, the, the men and women got cigarettes and the children got chocolates. So I never forget in the pitch dark that we saw these Canadians in their Jeeps and a bit of a, you know, a bit of a wild bunch. So the way, just the way they did, they acted. But we just loved them. We just really appreciated them. And that feeling has never left me. You know, and never left at the, the feeling of the, the freedom that we received because of the oppression, the do away with the oppression and the Germanism. Wow. So one, wow. one instance, though, uh, even though the Germans were very oppressive to us, my dad kind of showed a bit of, uh, yeah, compassion to them. 
at the end of towards the end of the war and when the Canadians were coming, there was a, a large movement of, of German soldiers and some of them walked by our place and, and troops and they would rest in the front of the house. So one fellow, one older man who was also a German uh, came to the house and he asked for Wasser, Wasser. So water in German. Eh? So my dad gave him a glass, a glass of water. So here you are, the people hated the Germans and yet my dad was kind enough and <clears throat> showed his, uh, his compassion, his Christian compassion for, for another person who was in need, you know, and then gave him a glass of water. So, and then here they are, they're fighting each other. And uh, yeah, to me, it left a, a deep impression on me, there's no doubt, no doubt. Yes, yes. <clears throat> yeah, but Christian compassion, as you say, even in times of conflict, that's, that's telling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly was for me. It was a was a witness of you know what uh, how our faith affects our everyday life. You know, and the little things sometimes. And I mean, I'm sure the man never remembered that uh, this Dutchman had had given him water, but it certainly left an impression on the whole family yes. because my dad did this, even though he uh, even to the last years of his life he he, he detested the Germans for what they did to Hollow. Mm -hmm. You know, he had a hard, hard time with it, and yet he even had that feeling, and yet he was able to, to go past that and give this man a glass of water. So, that was great. <laughs> That's uh, it was, certainly a biblical injunction. Uh, love those, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you. And uh, in so doing, sometimes we can build a bridge. Uh, who knows whether this uh, German soldier may have remembered that uh, on in his years, may have may have touched his heart you know we, we don't know but yeah. uh, we need to show that love and compassion even in the midst of conflict yeah yeah so that was a good good witness and uh, uh something else which happened about a few years ago uh our boys were asking about the history of of uh, what happened and uh the d-day was on i think it was a couple of years ago maybe two years ago on the 75th anniversary might have been last year that was last year anyway they said we wouldn't mind attending d-day so i contacted veterans affairs and we went over there with d-day we were able to go and we have a seat there and uh, be able to sit on at the uh, at the podium and at d-day right at at the beach at juno beach so that was very impressive it was very very good Wow. Anyway, after we're leaving, I was planning to leave. I told a friend of ours at, at the uh, at the church. I said, "This is where we're going. Uh, we're going to see Begum's home. Hope to see it and see the um, the graveyard because there's a large Canadian graveyard there." Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, "Oh, my uncle was in the war, and she he was in the Canadian army, and he died, and and he's buried in Begum's home. Would you mind looking up his uh, his gravestone?" So we were liberated. I think it was the 27th of October. So we visited with the, my three boys, and one of the grandchildren, one of the grandson. We visited the gravesite, and we found the man's name, and he had died two, two days before the liberation of, of our village. Wow. So there's a great chance that this man was involved in the liberation of our village. So, you know, it really touched us to my... Uh, uh, tonight, uh, I might share this, you know, with uh, 
So to this man had given his life, and I could I could stand as a free person with uh, with my three children and the grandson. So anyway, <clears throat> I told the uh, I told a fellow at the church. I sent him an email and I sent a text back and forth. He said that for them, they had kind of lost contact as to what happened. He didn't know what happened with this with this uh, uncle because he was a very young young kid, didn't write back, and they knew that he lost his life, of course, but that's all it was, so there wasn't much talk about it. And for them, it became a real revival of an appreciation for what he had done for them, you know, so as well. So it was, uh, all, all around, it was a good thing. No, uh, so these, 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 yeah, so all these young men, they suffered for us, you know, they were, we saw uh, some of the gravestones were 17, 18 years old, yeah. 19, 20 and like this guy, you know, so it was, uh, it was heart-wrenching sometimes. And where we tend to so, think about the statistics, you know, the numbers uh, uh, and the years and, and the times, but, but uh, every drop of blood shed by an individual, uh, you know, it boils down to individual sacrifice, individual commitment, people who make a decision to, you know, to join the army yeah. or, you know, to, uh, <laughs> to cross a field uh, under fire and all those things, the, those who landed at Juno Beach, uh, for for instance, uh, you know, each one of them made a series of decisions that ended up being part of the liberation. But it was uh, made up of human beings who sacrificed for others, and that's such a thing to contemplate. Yeah, it seemed like almost an impossible task when they were starting up. You know, it's not not. Uh that different from you know Christian Heritage Party. You know, we it seems like an almost impossible task at uh, we're looking at well you Rod, you just got 10% of the vote in which you're very thankful for, but uh, sometimes we often we don't get that. We barely get recognition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, through all this, throughout all this uh, we're following what we feel the Lord wants us to do. And so we carry on that task. Whether it appears to be successful in the eyes of the world or not, that's, uh, that's kind of, it should be irrelevant. It's not, it does affect us, but uh, we should do as Christ, what Christ calls us to do. And whether it's the mundane things of be administrative and and visiting people and uh, encouraging them and being involved in, in the elections and trying to get people in, involved, putting up signs, all of those things are all part of, uh, you know, the kingdom of God and, and bringing, bringing out the, uh, the word that, uh, the desire that the Lord, Lord has placed, in, placed into his heart, into our hearts to be able to, uh, to serve him, whatever way that we're called to, to do that. Sure. Well, we, we know that we are in a battle for the culture in Canada and that battle is not over. It's uh, ongoing and sometimes we have major setbacks, uh, whether in elections or in court cases or just in the in uh, the slide of society into uh, kind of moral chaos, <clears throat> but uh, the duty is ours, and uh, res results are up to God, right? So we, uh, and that's I think what yeah. every soldier has to think uh, as they enter into a battle. They have a a duty that's they're fulfilling, making a sacrifice, and they don't know the end result. But if they don't make the sacrifice, uh, the end result, you know, <laughs> the uh, the battle cannot be won unless there's a lot of people making individual decisions to do the right thing at the right time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So a number of years after World War II, as was mentioned, uh, your family immigrated to Canada and you eventually joined the Royal Canadian Air Force. Uh, did your liberation uh, factor into that? Yeah, I certainly have a, I certainly have a, a, a factor. There's no doubt about that because I really appreciate uh, what they had done for us. And the whole Canadian society was very positive, you know. So it was a little bit of a selfish reason as well. I mean, I we, uh, being a, yeah, we were just immigrated here. We had no money but for education, so I was extremely interested in electronics. But there was no way to get ahead except through getting a decent training. Well, the military provided that, and especially the Canadian Air Force were very good for that. Okay. So uh, yeah, it was really on the recommendation of a vet. Uh, who used to drive me to work. I didn't have a car in those days and I used to work at Canadian Tire and, and he would drive me to work and he said, if you're that interested, you should join the, the Air Force. He said, that's a great place to, to start. Wow. So yeah, it influenced, the Canadians certainly had a, Canadian Army had a influence in, in my life. And uh, yeah, but also for selfish reasons, I want to get a better education. I want more to know more about electronics. Uh, so for that reason, but it, it turned out, you know, again, the Lord used it in a different way. Because we, uh, um, although our faith meant a lot to us, it was not always that personal. You know, I guess it was during the 50s and maybe 60s, it wasn't. So we ended up uh, being in contact with what's called an organization called Christian Military Fellowship. And they're quite still quite active in the military. And the way this happened, I had been taught from a little kid to uh, to pray before my meals, you know? So it doesn't matter where we went, in a restaurant, wherever, we would just say a little, just bow my head and, and say a little word of grace like many of many of us do still today. Anyway, I had done it. We were on a management, we were on a middle management course in, in Sydney, Nova Scotia. And uh, everybody was from everywhere in Canada. So and we were in the mess, so we all ate together. So there were six of us sitting at one table, and I bowed my head, and one guy said, what do you just do? I said, I said, grace for my meal. So here, the six of them started badgering me about what's the point of praying, and on and on, and why, why would you do this, and what's the use of religion, and who is God? And so I'm sitting there trying to defend myself while eating my breakfast, and it just... I was not comfortable. I was very uncomfortable. Anyway, so they finished their meals and left, and I'm sitting there trying to finish my breakfast. So this guy walks over, and he said, I heard what you just said. Have you ever heard of an organization called Christian um, Military Fellowship? And I said, no. He said, well, you know, we are Christians and trying to work together. So I did join, and uh, we we... Uh, got to meet other people from different denominations and did Bible study with them, spent some time praying with them. And it was for us, it was a change in our, in our relationship with, uh, with God. You know, I meant a much more real. We made a, a commitment to Christ, you know, in, a, in a, a personal way, much more so than, you know, a general way. So that's, you know, here God used being in the military and being uncomfortable, I'd end up leading Bible studies in different places that we were at. So it was, uh, 
God can sometimes use, and the organization, as a matter of fact, it was quite something because we uh, we had 200 members, and at that time was only um, the uh, commission officers that were part of the military uh, military Christian fellowship. So two of us had been had been in the, in the uh, ranks before, and we said, you know, that really needs to change. We need to have a need to show unity within the military. We need to show that. Uh, uh, we're one in Christ with the, with the ranks as well as the, the commission officers, you know. So um, we be, we were proud of the executive as well, six of us all together. And so we said, well, we really don't know what to do. We don't know how to do this. So the uh, president said, why don't we take a, a weekend apart and we go to St. Jean Quebec and uh, rent a room there and stay in at the at the base in there with the six of us. And we spent time in devotions and prayer that whole weekend. Mm -hmm. So it was a life-changing experience for all of us. We decided that we would um, branch out to all the ranks. And within the space of three years, we had some 200 members to well over wow. 1,000. So 1,200, wow. so the ranks joined up. So the Lord really blessed that. And I can see now, I still read the, uh, the emails that they send out and they're very strong in the Christian faith and the witness in the military. So, uh, yeah, how much how much Christian witness in the military? I think there's a, quite a bit. Uh, there are wow. quite a number of people who are don't. They're not quite vocal about it, you know, as as far as public is concerned. But uh, from one to one or in the office, yeah, that, there's no doubt. Well, that's good yeah. to hear. Thank you. In terms of the your time serving, um, it was the 60s, 70s, early 80s, um, a different dynamic, I think, back then than now in terms of the, the threat and what you were preparing for. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, okay. Uh, when I joined, of course, the, the war was not all that far away, uh, no. less than 20 years. So there was still a fairly positive attitude toward the toward the military. That started to change, you know, as people lost, uh, yeah, lost the, the knowledge of the war. So by by the time I retired in '86, uh, things were okay, but uh, the military was under pressure. You know, the hard time uh, meeting the budget. Uh, the recruiting was was hard because people thought. Not all that positively about the about the uh, the air force and, and the army and the uh, the navy. So I'm glad to see that today it's it's uh, changed. You know the Harper government certainly was very good with that and, and changing the whole positive attitude of the military, giving them a bit more fun. So I certainly I'm glad to see that. As far as yeah, our our defense can we as Canadians defend ourselves? I. I don't know, from my point of view, from what I have seen, I saw, I would say no. We need the Americans and we certainly need the people south of us to be able to help ourselves defend, defend ourselves, you know. It's not to say that their people are not capable, it's just the size. You know, we just don't have the equipment, we don't have the manpower, we don't have the, yeah, the power behind us, the money behind us to be able to, to operate. So the force is, is a, uh, it's uh, the whole is giving you a positive feeling, but uh, and there's much more appreciation for um, for the veterans today than it was in, in the 80s, certainly, and that certainly changed. So I do appreciate that. 
Uh, the budget has always been tight. And, um, you know, I, I hope that, you know, the, the thrust of the military, the powers that be, particularly people who are in charge, are, are concerned not only for, for their, uh, their men, but also for the public, you know, whom they serve. It's the same thing with our politicians today. Uh, yeah, they serve the party, but essentially they, they need to serve the people. You know, they're, the leaders are placed in, in, in these uh, positions by God to serve people, to serve, to, you know, to, uh, to give them a better life, not necessarily to, to meet their own political or, or personal needs, uh, whatever they may be, whether selfish or, or so. But I, I would love to see a little bit more selfless, and I think both you guys have shown selfless leadership in, in the Christian Heritage Party. The, your selfless dedication to the cause, and that has been encouraging to me as a, as just a member. You know, I, and we're involved in, in the local uh, local writing, but still, uh, you know, not the way you guys are. So that's an appreciation. It's certainly an example of to follow for the rest of us. And I'm we keep praying for our, our leaders in the, in the political realm and in the military realm that they will become much more aware that they are there to serve and, and not to, uh, you know, send out their own or, you know, apply their own agenda to whatever situation they might find themselves in. Well, the feeling is mutual. We've certainly uh, been guests in your home and we, you know, we thank you for, uh, making it possible you know for our small party you know we operate on also on a small budget uh, you mentioned the military has a tight budget and our our party uh, as you know hasn't got taxpayer funding like the big parties but we rely on people like you know you and mary have been great uh, hosts generous uh, generously hosting us overnight and and having meetings in your home and so on and that's uh, that makes it possible for us to carry on with the work that we do which is a privilege uh to serve that way so uh, and also yes. to, just to get to know people like you that's that's been the fantastic part of being in this party getting to know such great people uh for, across the country i appreciate you very yeah. much well, we, we thank you for your service and uh, in the local association there, you're the prayer director and uh, we see that that, uh, that's, that desire to serve spiritually come through in, in what you've told us today and thank you for that. And thank you for your, your time of service in the Canadian forces and to all of our veterans, all of you veterans who might be listening today, we thank you for your service to your country. And uh, as Jack said, um, all of you who are thinking perhaps about serving your country, do so selflessly, be it in the military or in politics. That's a great, a great thing for us to bear in mind. Yeah, we're so grateful. Jack, I don't know if you have any last words, but uh, we'll wrap it up then. Yeah, we're so grateful for everyone who has uh, served our, our country, put their lives on the line uh, for the good of others. I mean, it's just an unbelievable uh, you know, willingness to sacrifice personal benefit for for the benefit of others, and and we appreciate all those who have uh, served the country in that way, and we we celebrate that sacrifice of service, and remember, we will we will remember. Uh, 
from the rising of the sun to the going down, we will continue to remember those who have sacrificed for this country. Very good. Very good. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yes. Well, join us in, in remembering and in thankfulness and uh, don't um, neglect, if at all possible, well, being at your local cenotaph on Remembrance Day. And uh, we hope that you'll join us again for another edition of CHP Talks. And God bless you. <laughs>